19, John chapter 19, and it is wonderful to see everybody who's come out on this holiday weekend. Uh, This is a time that we set aside to honor those who have served in our armed forces, and we certainly do want to honor uh, those who have given their lives for our country and those who still today are, are fighting in order that we might be free. And even as we speak this morning, there are thousands of men and women that are in Iraq and in other areas around the world. And it really doesn't matter how you feel about the war. I think we still ought to thank the Lord for Americans that are still brave enough to fight for us. And I personally, personally believe that it's a shame and it's a dishonor that there are so many Americans who take our freedoms lightly. And they believe that... uh, terrorists and, and tyrants will just go away if they just wish that they would go away, but they won't. They'll still be with us, and we've got to have somebody who's willing to stand up and fight for us. And so I think it's a shame that we have people who serve in our armed forces, and yet we have people right here in America who protest, and they, they burn flags, and they do act as if freedom was won just by wishing things would happen that way. Well, thank the Lord that we still have some good young men and women who are serving our country. And we do want to think about today, um, that's something that ought to be in our minds, what, what men and women have given for this country to keep us free. War is a horrible thing, but I don't want to talk about war today. That's really not the subject. But I do want to speak to you about someone who fought the most important battle of all. And this is someone who fought against the soul's destruction and the tyranny of sin. And this battle that was fought was won when it appeared that the enemy would have the victory. Today, as you know, we're in the study, uh, in the middle of a study of the last hours of Jesus' life as he went to the cross. And we've seen Jesus in his trials. First of all, he had to appear in a Jewish trial. This was a mock trial where they made up evidence against him, so he was falsely accused. There was also a political trial in which he stood before Pilate, the Roman governor. And in that trial, Jesus was declared to be innocent, and yet they determined they would crucify him anyway. So they mocked him, and in a serious act of blasphemy, they crowned him. And it wasn't with a royal crown, but they crowned him with a crown of thorns. Today, as we begin the 19th chapter of John, I believe that we're on holy ground. And perhaps we ought to take our shoes off as we think about and contemplate what took place at the cross. And we may read the scriptures, and perhaps you have many times, and you've missed some of the important details of what happened. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to look at this very carefully. And so over the next uh, few weeks, this is the first of sermons that I'm going to preach about Jesus on the cross. Now, today we're going to talk about the sacred head of the Savior, that was wounded when they placed on him a crown of thorns. So we want to read today from John chapter 19. If you'd stand with me, please. In reverence for the reading of God's word, we're looking at verse number 1. John chapter 19, verse number 1. And the Bible says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail! king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. And that's the third time in the Gospel of John where this is stated. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. 
Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Ecce homo, behold the man. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we do come in reverence. And as I've stated, we are standing on holy ground today as we consider what took place at the cross. As we look at the awful events that took place there, as we think about the crown of thorns today, I hope, Lord, that you will open up the hearts and minds of people that we may understand that everything that was done on that cross was done that we might be forgiven of our sins. We ask you, Lord, that you might bless our hearts today. Uh, Open them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, if you're able to travel to the Holy Land, there is a dispute about the actual location where the three crosses stood. The Roman Catholics have an idea that there is one particular site on which they have built a church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and they say that that's the place where Jesus was crucified. Archaeologists aren't sure if that's the case, and so they have proposed a different site. And so really, when it comes down to it, we just don't know exactly the place where the crucifixion took place. I don't think that that's so important to us because the Bible never tells us that we're to venerate any site or to consider a site where something took place as a holy place. But the Bible certainly does tell us that we need to honor the person who was taken to that place. So knowing the actual place is not so important for us today, but what happened at that place is the most important information that you will ever find out in all of your life. You know, I've heard it said that on one of the places that they claim was Calvary, that it's impossible to walk the ground there because as you approach that place, the entire area is covered with a thick growth of vines. And on those vines, there are three and four inch thorns that grow there. So it makes it impossible for you to walk to the actual place that they said that the crosses stood. Now that's a very ironic thing, I think, that that God would, would crown the top of a hill that we think was the place of the skull that was known in Bible times, perhaps as the place that Jesus was crucified, and God crowned that hill with thorns. Now today I'd like for us to consider the crown that was placed upon Jesus, and it was a crown of thorns. And friends, we just don't want to miss the significance of the crown that was placed upon Jesus. Now, first of all today, I would like to talk to you about the material of this crown or what this crown was made of. And we notice in verse number two that the Bible says that the soldiers plaited a crown. And that word means braided or they wove this crown and they put it on Jesus' head. Now, I've thought about that, and I've thought about how difficult that it must have been to take these long thorns and to weave a crown, to make a crown out of that particular material and put that on the head of Jesus. And I I think about how much simpler it would have been if they'd just taken an old twisted vine and if they'd made his crown out of that. And we all know the difficulty of, of dealing with a rose bush. If you've ever touched a rose bush, if you ever tried to pick blackberries, you know how difficult it is to get the thorns out of the way so that you won't be pricked. But here we find the soldiers doing a, a very difficult thing. They take a crown made out of thorns, they take that material, and that's what they use to put on his head. Now we wonder why they would do that. But if they had used any other material then it really wouldn't have brought out the reason why that Jesus went to the cross. 
I want you to notice about this that thorns represent the curse of sin. Thorns represent, and the reason they use this material is because it shows the curse of sin. Now, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden before Adam sinned, it was possible for Adam to walk barefoot through that garden. Adam really didn't need any shoes on, and he didn't need anything to protect his legs as he walked through the garden because he could walk up to any vine, he could stick his hand into any bush, he could pick any berry that he wanted to pick, and he never had to worry about thorns because there weren't any thorns there. But when Adam sinned, and when he took of this fruit that God said, you shall not eat of this, and when Adam took that fruit, he sinned against God, and so God cursed this earth. He cursed the ground, and he said to Adam, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Now those thorns represent God's curse. And I don't think that there was ever a time after this that when Adam walked through a garden or when he was out tilling his field, that every time that he got pricked by a thorn that he didn't think back to this, what God said, and the curse that was placed upon the whole human race and upon the ground, on everything in this world because of that sin. And when Jesus wore that crown of thorns, he wore that because that represented the curse of sin. Now, I want to remind you, and perhaps I don't need to tell you this today, but it's certainly true, that curse is still with us. All of the pain and all of the suffering, the difficulties, the hardships, the the disappointments, and even death itself is all directly related to that curse of sin. And you find people today that are angry about this and they become angry at God. God, why is there a curse on this earth? Why did you do that? Why do I have to work? Why is there all the pain, the toil, and the suffering that exists in the world today? God, why did you do that? And people blame God for it. But there's no reason to blame God because this is not God's fault. The reason that there is this curse upon the world still today is because every one of us, you and I, still follow the actions of our ancestor Adam. And every day we sin against God. We intentionally and we willfully sin against him. Now when they platted that crown of thorns and they put that crown on Jesus, that was because he let them do it. Jesus could have stopped it at any moment. But Jesus took all the pain of those thorns because he wanted to do something about the curse of sin. You ought not to blame God because the curse of sin is upon us today. You ought to thank God that he sent Jesus Christ to do something about the very thing that we caused. And Jesus did that willingly. So thorns represent the curse of sin. I want you to see secondly and talk a little bit about the misery of this crown. Because there was a lot of physical suffering that went along and was associated with the crucifixion. And we can't really even imagine what Jesus must have gone through as he went through the torture and the beatings and all that he went through upon that cross. But here is a part of the suffering that really wasn't common for criminals. As far as I know that uh, this was not something that was commonly done. I mean, they wouldn't make crowns of thorns to put them on the head of every criminal. And as if the, the pain and suffering and the beatings of the cross and taking nails and driving them into his hands and his feet, as if that weren't enough, they had to add this on top of it, something that would add to his physical pain. I mean, how would you have felt if this type of crown was placed on your head And I'm not talking about just gently coming over to Jesus and laying the crown upon his head. But when they took that crown, they shoved it down into his scalp. 
They took those long thorns and they pressed him into the head of the Savior. Now, if you've ever had a head wound or a facial wound, you know that the scalp and the forehead are filled with all kinds of very small capillaries. And whenever those capillaries are broken, then the, then the, the face and, and the head begin to produce profuse bleeding. Several years ago, I was involved in an auto accident where I hit a car head on. And I went right into the windshield and, and the glass came into my face and, and, and cut my face severely and I was bleeding still have scars around my eyes from that accident. But every place that those thorns punctured his skin, that produced a fountain of blood that flowed down into the beard of Jesus, into his face, and mixed with the spittle of those Roman soldiers who spat upon him. Thorns represent the curse of sin, but also thorns represent the pain of sin. These soldiers took sticks and they struck Jesus. They beat him in his body, and they took those same sticks, and they hit him on the head. And as they landed each of those blows, they drove those spikes deeper and deeper into his head. Now, he was already disfigured from the beating. He was already beaten so badly that he was unrecognizable as a man. And the Bible tells us in in the book of Isaiah that it was impossible to recognize him. It says in Isaiah 52, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So Jesus was beaten to the place where he was unrecognizable. Now, as you think about that, what does the beating and the pain and the suffering of Christ mean to you? Because there was intense pain involved in this. And the Bible tells us that there was a reason for his pain. Do you know the Bible very clearly spells it out? Why Jesus suffered so much pain? It tells us that he did that so that he could relate to the pain that we experience. Now I know that there's some of you here today. You come to church and you sit here and you're in pain. You fight through that pain in order to come and be a part of this service today. I think about those men that were out there yesterday uh, taking down that tree out there and Brother Dave Sharon. And, and I know that he's in pain. Uh, well, he was in pain as he did that. And he's still here at church today. And there's pain to go through. And I want to tell you, folks, that when you serve God, that he knows the pain that you're going through. He knows what you are experiencing. Jesus knows all about it because he took pain. He wasn't a savior that that escaped pain and suffering. He endured all of that. And if there's anybody who knows what your pain is about, what you're going through today, whether it's physical suffering or emotional suffering or anything else, Jesus knows all about that because he went through pain. And so if there's anybody who can truthfully and honestly say, I feel your pain, I know what you're going through, it was Jesus. Now, I may not know what, what you feel, I may not understand in my body what you're going through, but Jesus certainly knows it. So there was a physical aspect of this pain associated with the crown of thorns, but there's also an emotional aspect in it. Because when they put that crown on Jesus' head, he also had to deal with our third thing here, and that is the mockery of this crown. Jesus had to endure the mocking of having that crown put upon him. Now, let me just tell you this up front, that thorns also represent the shame of sin. There was shame that was involved in it. Now, is there anybody here that can raise your hand today that, say, that can say that you enjoy being made fun of? You like it when people make fun of you? 
You know, sometimes we do poke a little bit of fun at, at people in the church and we're just playing around. But, you know, sometimes uh, even just doing that, people can get upset and they get offended and they don't like being made fun of. One of the favorite things that our kids love to do when they come home for the holidays, they just love to sit around and make fun of us. They make fun of Pam and I and they exaggerate all the things that they went through when they were kids. And, oh, they enjoy doing that, just sitting there making fun of us. Well, that doesn't really bother us so much because we know that they're just playing around. They're having a good time, and so that doesn't really bother us. And so we're not so much worried about that. But, you know, I do feel sorry sometimes for people who've been made fun of. Uh, I think about kids in school that get made fun of. I, I don't remember who said this, but one of the men said the other day that when boys make fun of boys, that's difficult to deal with. But when girls make fun of girls, they can really cut deep. They can really get down to it and hurt other kids. And I feel sorry for kids who have to go through that. Maybe you were a child that was overweight in school. Maybe you're one who came from a different background than the other kids came from. And so you were made fun of. Well, it's not, it's, it's not something that we like to be made fun of. But I'm telling you something. Nobody knows what Jesus went through here, not the humiliation that he experienced when they put that crown of thorns upon his head. Because that was different from anything that you've ever experienced. This was total mockery. And the mockery and the ridicule is intended to bring Jesus shame. They took that crown, they put it upon his head, they gave him a counterfeit coronation and they laughed at him and they said hail king of the jews then they took a faded robe and they put it on jesus that was to mock his royalty they took a wooden stick and put it into his hand to represent a golden scepter and then the bible says they took that stick back out of his hand and they began to beat him in the head with it in matthew 27 matthew records then the soldiers of the governor took jesus into the common hall And gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Luke records that just prior to that incident that they put a blindfold on Jesus. They struck him and they said to Jesus, prophesy, tell us who smote thee. They were mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a shame that this is. And do you know that the God-man who was standing there, the one who was ridiculed and humiliated, the one beaten and tortured, made fun of, made a laughing stock? He could have stopped it all if he wanted to. He could have stopped it all right then. He could have called legions of angels to come to his assistance. He could have said, angels, come now. Unsheath your swords. Kill them all. Jesus could have done it. With one blast of his nostrils, he could have called down fire from heaven to consume all of them. Now, you think that fire that burned the bridge last month and caused it to collapse, you think that was hot? You haven't seen anything if Jesus were to call fire from heaven to consume them. He could have done it, but he didn't do it. The hymn writer said, Bearing shame and scoffing rude, In my place condemned he stood, Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. 
And in the song from which I took the title, the message today, the writer says, O sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. How pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn. How does that visage languish, which once was bright as morn. Jesus never called angels. He never asked anyone to come and deliver him. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now there the scripture says that he despised the shame, but Jesus embraced that shame. And Jesus embraced it for you and for me if you trust in him. So Jesus took my disgrace... And he took it so that I wouldn't have to suffer disgrace for all of eternity. He took my shame away. You know, it's sad that Jesus is still being mocked today. People are still mocking Jesus today. Watch your television. Turn on and watch movies at public gatherings. They're still mocking Christ They look at Jesus and they see the pictures with the crown of thorns. They see Jesus uh, beaten and bloodied and bruised. They see nails that are driven through his hands and his feet. And they don't feel any compassion for what happened to him. They still continue to mock. You know, when they did this to Jesus, you would at least think that there would be some pity here. After a while of beating him so badly, treating him so awfully, pressing the thorns upon his head, beating him in the face, driving those things, those nails into his hands and feet, you would think at some point they're going to show compassion on him. Let's let up a little bit. But they didn't. It wasn't in their heart to show any compassion. And it's still the same with people today. Let me tell you something, friend. Whenever you utter the name of Jesus Christ, and as a curse word or as a byword, you are mocking the name of Jesus Christ. You ought not to do that. When you say things like, Jesus Christ, and you hear people saying it all the time today, you know what they're doing? They're mocking Jesus. They're putting that crown of thorns back on his head again. You ought to watch that. You ought not to talk about like that. Keep a standard of righteousness. Respect the name of Jesus. Don't be guilty of placing a crown of thorns on his head. James Montgomery Boyce relates a story that was told by Harry Ironside. And he says, in his commentary on John, Harry Ironside tells of a meeting of the Synod of the Free Church of Scotland many years ago. One minister was invited to preach the sermon on a particular Sunday morning, and he gave a marvelous oration on the beauty of virtue. He concluded, Oh, my friends... If virtue incarnate could only appear on earth, men would be so ravished with her beauty that they would fall down and worship her. Many went out saying, what a magnificent oration it was. The same evening, another man preached. He didn't preach about virtue and beauty. He preached Christ and him crucified. As he closed his sermon, he said, my friends, virtue incarnate has appeared on earth. And men, instead of being ravished with his beauty and falling down to worship him, cried out, away with him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. And you know the same is true today. The world is still mocking Jesus. And if Jesus were to appear on earth today, if he came today as he did 2,000 years ago, do you think the reception would be different? Do you think that if Jesus came today and he was born of a virgin that he lived a perfect life, 
that he healed sick people, he took care of diseases, that he showed compassion on sinners? Do you think if Jesus were to come today that we would treat him any differently? Now, Jesus has done all those things, and he's done all more things besides. We know it. We read it. Millions of books have been written about what Jesus has done, and yet we still mock him. And I want to tell you something. If Jesus came today, it would take us less time to kill him than it did those people in his day. We still mock him. Here, we can read the history of his life. We can see what Jesus did. As I said, millions of books have been written to explain the virtues of Jesus Christ. And yet people still mock him. Do you think that we wouldn't crucify Jesus if he came again today? Certainly we would. And do you know why? Because our heart is still the same. Our heart is still as black as it can be, just like those men who crucified him. We're still blinded to the gospel of Christ. And unless the Holy Spirit comes and opens up our eyes and shows us something different and shows us the depth and the depravity of our hearts and of our sin, we would never recognize who Jesus is. We would crucify him all the same. Now that leads me to the final observation today, and that's the meaning of this crown. Now there is a spiritual cause that's connected with all of this. There's certainly physical pain. There's emotional shame. But there's also a very deep spiritual meaning that's in the crown of thorns. Now, there are two statements that I want to consider as I close the message today. And the first one is, when he wore my crown, he bore my curse. Now, I want you to look into the deep recesses of your heart today, even as I look into mine. And I want to ask you a question as I ask myself the question, who deserves the punishment for the curse of sin? Do you know the answer? I do. I do. The answer is I do. Who deserves the physical pain and the penalty that's associated with sin? I do. Who deserves the emotional shame that goes along with sin? I do. Jesus was totally innocent and pure. Not only can't we find a single crime that Jesus committed... Never can we find a single action that he did that was anything less than virtuous. Not only that, but Jesus never even thought one single evil thought. And so the man who never deserved the curse, the one who didn't deserve the pain, the one who didn't deserve the ridicule or the emotional distress, he took all of that for me. That crown of thorns should have been placed upon my head. It should have been driven down into my scalp with all the force that could be put behind it. It was my crown that he was wearing. The the curse that was associated with it was my curse. And do you know the Bible says that the cross is a place for the cursed? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the writer says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Do you understand what Galatians 3.13 is about? This is a verse about substitution. In my place condemned he stood. It was substitution because his place was a throne. His place was a palace. His place was a kingdom. And yet Jesus came and he substituted all that to take my place, which was an old, rough-hewn, rugged cross. That's where I should have been. Now, I want to take you just a moment to an Old Testament story that that beautifully illustrates this idea of substitution. 
Most of you are familiar, I'm sure, of the story in Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abraham to do something that he was totally not expecting. God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to crucify, I want you to kill him. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. It was totally unexpected. But this was a test of faith for Abraham. God said, take your son. I mean, here's the son that Abraham had anxiously awaited to be born for 100 years. And now God says, I want you to take that son and I want you to make him a sacrifice to me. Can you imagine what must have been going on through Abraham's mind? Going on in his mind. I mean, and as I think about that, sacrifice my son? How can I do that? I can't sacrifice my son. You know, I think about my son, Nathan, sitting over here. You know, he's pretty aggravating sometimes. But I don't think that I'd want to sacrifice him. I can't imagine something bad happening to him. I mean, even the thought that he might get into an auto accident or he might be harmed somewhere, that sends terror down to my very bones. I love my son. I don't want anything to happen to him. And then to think that I would take him up on a hill, I would lay him on an altar, and he would die at my own hand? I can't do that. But that's exactly what God asked Abraham to do. And do you know that Abraham was such a man of faith that he was willing to do that? He didn't know why God asked him to do it. He didn't know what God's purpose in this was. But here's one thing that he did know. He fully expected that if he took uh, Isaac up on that hill and he sacrificed him, that somehow, some way, Isaac would come back down that mountain with him. Do you know what that means? He believed that God was going to resurrect his son. And so Abraham took him up on that mountain. He took his son Isaac and he carefully prepared the wood for the sacrifice. And then he bound Isaac and he laid him on that wood. And then Abraham raised the knife to plunge that dagger into the heart of Isaac. And at that very moment, God spoke to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, you don't have to do that. You don't have to kill him. He said, because I have provided a sacrifice. I've got something else that you can sacrifice. And he said, Abraham, look over here. And there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. And God said, Abraham, you can take that ram and you can sacrifice that ram in the place of your son. Now, that's an interesting thing, I think, because the Bible says the ram was caught in a thicket. You know, I don't have any doubt in my mind that there were thorns in that thicket. And that ram was caught in those thorns. And Abraham pulled that ram out of the thorns, thorns and he took it and he sacrificed the ram instead of his son. Friends, that's what God did for us. We deserve God's judgment. We deserve to die. But God said, you don't have to die because I have provided a substitute. And God took that precious lamb, his very own son, and he didn't, and he didn't reserve him. He didn't keep him. He didn't spare him. God put him on an altar. And that altar was the cross. And God allowed that crown of thorns to be pressed into his head. And friends, let me tell you, when he bore that crown, when he wore that crown, he bore my curse. The curse was placed upon him and he took my place. And for that, I'm everlastingly grateful. But that's not all because there's another meaning here. The soldiers put that crown upon his head and they did it in mockery. They said, sure, you're a king. 
Yeah, you're a king. Yeah, a king. Imagine that. And so with spit, with a slap, a crown of thorns placed upon his head, they said, Hail, king of the Jews. But that crown has another meaning. Though he was crowned in mockery, one day he will be crowned in glory. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, very quickly and turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Now, this is also a book that was written by the Apostle John. The events that John records happened in 30 to 33 AD. But John didn't actually write these things down until probably about 85 or 90 AD. And after he wrote the Gospel of John, he was very shortly to write this book, the book of Revelation. And I can imagine that as God unfolded the revelation before him, that John was thinking about how he had recorded this story about the crown of thorns. Now, look at Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse number 11. John writes, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse... And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God." And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. John saw this one riding the white horse, and he says, on his head were many crowns. And you notice that John says here, his name is called the Word of God. Do you remember what John wrote in John 1, verse number 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John says his name is the Word of God. And who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the everlasting, eternal Son of God. And what are those crowns that are on his head? You know that Revelation chapter 4 says that we who are his people, that we are going to cast our crowns at his feet. We are going to crown King Jesus. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Lord of all. The royal diadem, that means a crown. Now, 2,000 years ago, they crowned Jesus with a crown of thorns. But the Bible tells us that one day we're going to crown him with worship, with honor, and with praise. And so those soldiers, they crowned him in mockery. But one day, Jesus Christ will be crowned in glory. Friends, I hope you understand that the reason everything that took place in John chapter 19, the reason it all happened was for me and for you. We are responsible for everything that happened in that chapter. Now, maybe you haven't taken the responsibility yet. Maybe you haven't seen yourself as a sinner and you haven't admitted that. Maybe you didn't understand that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Maybe you didn't understand that the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Maybe you didn't know that when you came in today. 
But you know it now. I'm telling you now. You and I, we crowned him with that crown of thorns. We placed it there. We spat in his face. We hit him with those reeds. We hit him with the stick. And we drove those thorns deep into the head of Jesus. We did it all. But you know something? Jesus says, you can be forgiven of that. I can forgive you for doing that. And so Jesus tells everyone in this room today that you can admit your sin, you can turn to him, you can repent, you can put your trust in him, and you can say to him, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, because the scripture says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can be forgiven of what we did to Jesus. I want to ask you today, would you trust him? Today, would you crown him? Not with a crown of thorns. Don't crown him with a crown of thorns. But crown Jesus as the Lord of your life. Crown him with many crowns. Crown him Lord of all. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we're awed at the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think about a crown of thorns placed upon his head. And we come with the realization, Lord, that we did it. We sinned against you. And still today, we continue to mock you and to drive those thorns even deeper. Lord, I ask you that you would open up the hearts of sinners today and help them to understand that you have forgiven. You will forgive if we trust you. We put all of our faith and confidence and hope in you that sins can be forgiven. And Lord, that you'll accept us into a heavenly home. And Lord, at that time, you're going to give us a crown that we can in turn give back to you because all glory, honor, and majesty belongs to you. Speak to hearts today. Speak to some lost sinner. Speak to some Christian who really needs to make you the Lord of their life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.